Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Hey all you cool cats and kittens, this is Luke from The Other Stories. Uh, We just received a brand new patron called Kev Man. Did you know that Kev, along with being an excellent guy, and along with our other patrons, just got access to our bonus Q&A episode. He'll also get our upcoming fiction and non-fiction books and monthly bonus exclusive episodes, and there's tons of those. That's right, Kev is living the high life, let me tell you. So if you want to join him, head over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month today. Not only will you be supporting the show and helping to keep us going, but you'll also get access to all of the excellent stuff that I just mentioned. So today's episode of The Other Stories is The Chip Truck Man, written by David J13 and narrated by Justin Fife. A derelict truck sat forgotten in the woods, the way things could in those days. On its side, a painted cartoon potato chip stood on Cowboy Boots' legs and stared out from below the brim of his ten-gallon hat with big saucer eyes. A spore pattern of rust trickled down his left cheek like bloody tears. In a speech balloon, he told the world, Mmm, crispy. A couple of times each year, My brother and I would cough up the 25 cents it cost to take the ferry across the lake to Quenville. We'd blow the rest of whatever money we had at the orange shop and have to walk back the long way around. 
Now, this store didn't sell oranges. No, nothing fresh or healthy would be found in its bright orange walls. It was a candy shop. And like everything else in Quenville, it was far better than could be found in our crummy town, where all we had was one place selling everything from bread to shoes. The white truck with its chip man roughly marked the halfway point through Sullivan's woods. The forest was gone now, wiped away overnight and replaced with a subdivision, but as a boy, it was hard to imagine a more lonely and isolated place on the planet. And in the heart of that untamed wilderness, my brother's warnings were impossible to ignore or laugh away. He'd start once we got through the sand pit. My short legs didn't have the strength yet to pull my sinking feet loose from the earth without a struggle, and the dusty expanse took forever to cross. Justin teased me the whole way, even if he didn't move much faster. Once we reached the trees and were pouring torrents of sand from our shoes, he'd say something like, Tie those laces tight. You might have to run. When I was younger, I'd ask why. But by this last time, I knew all about the chip truck man. He'd been in the back of my mind since the trip was first planned. My eight years of maturity did grant me a little stoicism, however, and I didn't quaver or gape at his words. My face stayed serene, but I still double-knotted my laces. After all, I might have to run. Looking back, Justin was a genius at winding me up. When I didn't respond, he dropped the subject and let the chip truck man fill the silence while we trudged on. By not trying to scare me with his tales and speculations, the threat grew and became a concrete danger looming ahead of us. What's more, I began to need more information about this monster. My survival depended on it. Soon, I was begging him to tell me more. There's probably nothing to worry about, he said, the probably making the need to worry a certainty. By the time he said, no one knows how he got his truck so deep into the forest, I was good and primed, drinking in every word with the hope of deciphering a hidden clue and uncovering a secret which would save me when disaster struck. Justin's description is foggy in my mind because the story changed every time, but two things were clear. The chip truck man was more of a troll than a person, and in the truck, he kept a large pot of boiling oil to fry up his victims. Mmm, crispy. In some tellings, he ate you whole. In others, he'd lock you in a cage and cut pieces off so you'd last for months. In one version, he didn't eat you at all, just forced you to stay with him in his filthy truck, away from your family and everything good, forever and ever, until you became like him. The stories could make any sort of outlandish claim without losing credibility because, except for that last trip, we never saw him. The closest we ever got was the time something stirred inside the truck. We'd been creeping past it with the stealth of soldiers behind enemy lines. The saucer eyes of the cowboy watched us from between the birch trees that screened the bare, muddy clearing from the trail. The only movement was the wind in the leaves. Then... The silence broke, the clang of metal and a muffled curse, a word we could not speak without punishment. For a moment, brief and eternal, we stood frozen. Something slammed down hard, a hammer on a skull, a cleaver on a neck. We bolted like startled deer, throwing ourselves down the trail, screaming and dodging the tree branches that flung themselves in our path. We scrambled up the rocky slope by the fork on all fours and bounded over the log bridge at the stream without even a thought to the danger of falling off. 
Heck, for months afterwards, I told people my feet were moving so fast they never really touched it. When we stopped, I couldn't catch my breath, and my face burned from the blood pounding through me. I often wonder if this first escape hadn't laid the foundation for what was to come. Thirty years on and the guilt of running away still hadn't eased, but maybe the fleeing had become instinct. Perhaps it was something I couldn't have controlled had I tried. Besides, what good would staying done? Would it have changed anything? Wouldn't it have made things worse? All these lies I tell myself never help. A late August swelter hung over the forest on our last trip home from Quenville. My t-shirt and shorts clung to me and felt as heavy and coarse as the old wool blanket that covered my bed in winter. I tugged out a green licorice whip from a rapidly emptying brown bag and lashed it against my face, trying to take a bite before it bounced away. Justin tossed an empty wrapper a fun dip away and crunched the candy stick in his teeth. We were so intent on our luxurious sugar high that the truck came upon us sooner than we anticipated. The white shell of its roof rose like a giant's tooth piercing the forest floor. The sight transformed us, wiped away all the laughter and joy from our memories. Life became the simple act of putting one foot in front of the other without making a sound. But my own breath betrayed me, reaching my ears in thunderous rasps. My vision became hawk-sharp. Fresh ashes coated the fire pit with gray snow. Weeds twisted around the truck's metal rims and wildflowers festooned its grill. A lightning bolt crack ran down the driver's pane and split the windscreen. The potato chip cowboy with his rust spots looked diseased, and his big, dumb smile made him seem happy about his leprous state. The thought left me queasy. For all my hyper-focus, I somehow missed the filthy old man until he was standing right in front of us. You boys lost. The words came from a jack-o'-lantern grin. The dirt on his face accentuated the lines on his face, making them look impossibly deep, etched in down into the bone. Long, greasy white hair fluttered and settled back on his shoulders as though from a sudden movement. He must have hidden beyond one of the trees until we were near. We're not lost, Justin pointed at the trail, just heading home. His voice remained steady, but the fear in it robbed my blood of warmth. You boys look tired. Why don't you stop for a while? The nightmare creature waved us toward his truck. It's hot out here. I got cold views. From his few remaining yellow teeth, the word was pronounced Jusha and conjured up a drink the color of bile with dead flies suspended in its viscous depths. Our folks are expecting us. Justin took a step, moving out of the chip truck man's path. It'll only take a minute. With astonishing speed, he lunged forward and took a hold of my arm. His jagged nails left ugly scratches on my skin when I twisted in his talon-like grip. The next few seconds were filled with frenzied movement and my piercing shriek. Justin pulled the fiend off me, but got himself trapped. The man wasn't much taller than him, but possessed a muscular density that Justin couldn't match. He was pinned against an elm and held firm. I put my whole weight against the man's left arm, my grip slipping on his shirt sleeve. The fabric as slick as lard, but it did no good. Go, Justin said, his eyes wide and determined. Run! And God help me, I ran. I didn't slow or stop until I blew into the kitchen, shouting and gasping for air. I don't know how my mom understood my babbling. Maybe she didn't. 
Coming back panicked and without Justin was probably enough for her to call the police. My mom patched me up while I sat like an invalid on a dining room chair. I'd fallen at some point, maybe more than once, and new cuts and scrapes kept getting discovered. Officer Roland showed up at the house around the same time as Dad. They both questioned me, talking over each other, trying to get a coherent answer out of me. Everyone was surprised when Justin came limping in. They all forgot about me and went to make sure he was okay. Mom asked what happened and he said, We were in Sullivan's woods and I tripped. My ankle felt all busted up. I told him to help and he pointed at me. But he cried and ran off, leaving me to get back on my own. That's a lie, I said. The chip truck man had you. He laughed a cruel, dismissive laugh. There's no such thing. Only a baby would believe that story. From that day forward, whenever I brought up the chip truck man or what happened on the trail, all I got was the same answer and the same sneering laugh. My folks grounded me for the last two weeks of summer for lying and abandoning Justin. The injustice and loss of freedom didn't bother me half as much as the loss of my brother. After that, we didn't play ball. He didn't tell me stories. And never again did we go to Quenville together. He didn't seem mad. He just didn't seem interested in having anything to do with me. Or anything he used to enjoy, for that matter. All of his free time, he spent alone. And whatever he did, remained secret. It was later that same fall, neighbors started reporting pets going missing. My adult mind sees the connection, but as an eight-year-old... I was too wrapped up in my own drama concerning school and friends and bullies. The cold, silent boy in the room next to mine quietly replaced the big brother I once had. I didn't pass through Sullivan's Woods again until I was 16, skipping school and drinking beer with a few of my friends. It wasn't how I remembered. The sandpit, once the same vastness as the Gobi Desert, barely spanned the distance between bases on an infield. We jumped over the indomitable stream rather than risk the rotting log bridge. A nod of dread accompanied me the whole way. An unease verging on terror, I tried to hide from the others. But the fear never became real. We didn't come across the truck, and I couldn't even say where the clearing had once been. I suppose if that little patch of wilderness hadn't been mowed down to build rows of identical houses, Justin would be living there. Instead, he has a single-wide trailer about 20 minutes east of town. The lot out front is scorched and empty of all life. Amid the wind-blown trash are the charred remains of bonfires. He must light them often. Maybe he uses the fence slats for kindling, and that's why so many gaps allow free access between his yard and the patchy pines surrounding it. The way it is, anything could wander in. Or anyone. I sit in my rental car, watching for signs of movement. Dad lost his battle with cancer, and tomorrow will bury him next to Mom. Evie felt I should let Justin know and give him a chance to say goodbye. She's back at the hotel with the kids while I work up the nerve to approach the white trailer with its acne spray of rust spots. With careful, tentative steps, I cross the lonely, garbage-strewn yard. No people or houses are anywhere in sight. I tell myself Justin was only a misunderstood child. The rumors were never true. A hundred things could be behind those children who went missing. But as I prepare to knock, every cell of my body holds the certainty I'm about to come face to face with the chip truck man once more.
hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Chip Truck Man was written by David J13, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Umcorps and Tom Robson, and sound effect provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. David J13 is a writer of horror and dark fiction with stories in various anthologies, including his latest in the collection, Copies and Break, available now from Crone Girls Press. Find out more about David's writings at davidj13.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash fork and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fork and cleaver and get involved in a little flash fiction competition. The other story is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver is brought to you with Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So until next time. 